We develop the North Slope as the, as the state of Alaska and residents each and every day to the absolute highest environmental standards. If you so much as drop a cigarette butt, spit tobacco, drop oil, you have to write up an incident report on it. And if you're found to have done it negligently, you're fired from your job. I think every Alaskan is an environmentalist at heart and not the co-opted you know, um, version that the eco-left likes to say, but the person who understands that there's a balance between environmental stewardship and responsible development. And if it's not done in Alaska, and if it's not done in the US, where is it done? Venezuela, Russia, China, those countries that have zero environmental standards and, and have human rights abuses left and right. We do it here, um, again, at, I, I've been in the state for over 35 years. I've never heard of any Alaskan that wants to damage the environment uh, in, in search of oil or other natural resources. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of American Potential. You know, as families across America struggle with their budgets due to government-caused inflation and the increased cost of gas prices, which also drives up the cost of household goods, the Biden administration has decided to cancel oil and gas leases in Alaska. At a time when the Israeli-Hamas conflict rages and other nations threaten to shut off oil supply, this is a very dangerous time for America to cut back on energy production. Now, this past September, the U.S. Department of Interior canceled oil and gas leases in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, or ANWR, stating there were serious flaws in the 2021 lease sale. One of the flaws the Department of Interior states is failure to properly interpret the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that was passed by Congress and signed by President Trump. Now, in the act, the Bureau of Land Management received almost 2 million public comments and had 70 specialists working more than 30,000 hours to make sure the plan was thorough and robust. Now, even with all of that input, President Biden's Department of Interior says there was insufficient analysis under the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA. In my view, just using that act to do what they wanted to do in the first place, placate radical environmentalists to shut down oil production, lowering supply, and causing pain for the American people. But this isn't the first time that the Biden administration has canceled oil and gas leases in Alaska this year. In May, they canceled the Cook Inlet leases, and through a Freedom of Information Act request, it was found out the reason that was given was completely false. On today's episode, we're going to break this down with Kevin Schmidt, who is the Investigations Director for Americans for Prosperity Foundation, and Rick Whitbeck who is Alaska State Director for Power the Future. Uh, Rick, thank you for joining us. Kevin, thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Yeah. So um, first of all, Rick, I know Kevin's been on the show before. Rick, um, I, I'm laughing because I always ask Monica to ask like a fun fact. And this is what she put for your fun fact. 
Rick played six years of baseball and never got one hit at the plate. He was horrible, but could pitch and play defense. You want to explain this to me? Sure. So, you know, <laughs> we just say this. They say that pitching and defense win championships. Yes. Um, I guess I'm exhibit A in the uh, self-deprecation world of not being able to hit. I played ball all the way through junior high, high school. I pitched well. I played amazing defense. I went my entire career without getting one single solitary hit. I was basically the automatic out. Mendoza line would have been beautiful, but I could pitch and play defense. She asked for something unique. I'd say that's pretty unique. <laughs> that, that is unique. I appreciate that. So, Rick, uh, your founder started uh, the organization Power the Future because he saw the impact of, of kind of bad energy policies. Can you talk a little bit about the or, your organization and how sure. canceling these leases in Anwar is just really bad energy policy? Sure. So first of all, Power of the Future is a national C, uh, C4 nonprofit. And we were started because back in the Obama days, bad policy uh, created opportunities for uh, environmentalists to celebrate and rural communities across America to, to really you know, shrivel up and die. Um, Daniel Turner, our founder and executive director, looked at this and said, somebody has to hold these people accountable. They, you know, they jettison in, they shut down a coal plant or a, um, you know, a, a mine, and they leave with nobody to really hold um, anybody accountable for the families that are impacted and the communities that are wrecked. Nowhere else in America um, do we see that like we see it here in Alaska whether you're on the North Slope in one of the Inupiaq villages up on the North Slope, who before oil were third world conditions, no running water, um, you know, community toilets, uh, honey buckets, meaning that you would take your solid waste and go dump it in a river or a pond somewhere from your home. Um, now they're first world conditions, running water, running sewer. Um, you know, everybody has what you would expect in, in the places that, you know, most people in America live, right? Resource development drives Alaska, and uh, bad policy pushes Alaska backwards and, and, and kills community opportunities for people to live, work, and play in their ancestral homes. And so up here in Alaska, my job with Power of the Future is to uh, advocate for those individuals and really fight for those jobs and those opportunities. And nowhere have we seen it uh, attacked like we have the last three years under Joe Biden. You know, you, we talk about ANWR, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. I think many, very, very few people have been to ANWR. While there's uh, more and more Americans who go to Alaska because of its beauty, mm -hmm. uh, very few people have been to ANWR, or the wildlife refuge there. Uh, but there, there's been created this false choice that, that many on, I would say on the left or, or some who are, I consider them radical environmentalists, who have created this false choice that you can either have a good environment or you can develop uh, oil and gas resources there. They are not mutually exclusive. And uh, if you could take a minute, talk about ANWR, what it is, how big of an imprint this would have overall in ANWR, and whether or not it can be done responsibly. So ANWR is a, uh, a congressionally set aside piece of land up on the We'll call it the northeast corner of the state of Alaska. 
Um, and Alaska is huge, as you know, it's two and a half times the size of Texas. Um, and so the, the lease area, the area that actually went up for lease in, uh, in the end of 2019, is like looking at a postage stamp on a football field when you consider the size of Alaska. So full-size football field, take a postage stamp, throw it down in the middle of that, and that's the amount of land in the state that was put up for lease. But here's the thing, Jeff, and I'll say this. Kaktovik is an Inupiaq village inside the gates of Anwar. It's home to a couple hundred people. I've been there numerous times in my life, whether it's with Power of the Future or in my career before the time that I joined Power of the Future. Um, the people there who are the most intimately and critically impacted by canceling these leases want Anwar. About 85% of the people in Kaktovik understand what oil and gas has done for their community and for their region and for the state of Alaska. So if you talk to Kaktovik villagers, the ones most critically uh, impacted by development and the so-called threat of development that the eco-left likes to talk about, and then the, the ones that are so um, uh, astutely aware of the impact, the positive impact of development, they're solidly for it, as are most North Slope villagers. Now, the narrative that Anwar can't be developed, I would say is bunk, because we develop the North Slope as the, as the state of Alaska and residents each and every day to the absolute highest environmental standards. If you so much as drop a cigarette butt, spit tobacco, drop oil, you have to write up an incident report on it. And if you're found to have done it negligently, you're fired from your job. We just don't have issues like that because I think every Alaskan is an environmentalist at heart and not the co-opted you know, um, version that the eco-left likes to say, but the person who understands that there's a balance between environmental stewardship and responsible development. And if it's not done in Alaska and if it's not done in the US, where is it done? Venezuela, Russia, China, those countries that have zero environmental standards could care less what they're doing to the environment and, and have human rights abuses left and right. We do it here, um, again, at, I, I've been in the state for over 35 years. I've never heard of any Alaskan that wants to damage the environment uh, in, in search of oil or other natural resources. Yeah, and uh, Kevin, I'm going to go to you in just a second, but one more uh, question for Rick, because I think it's really important. In, in 2019, America was energy independent. Yes. Ha has there ever been a time in recent American history where that's happened? And and how were we able to achieve that energy independence? Well, fracking had a lot to do with it, right? I mean, you know, the Marcellus Shale in Pennsylvania, that area, um, certainly the Bakken, uh, certainly uh, the Permian. The, the shale revolution was crucial to American energy independence. But let's not shortchange Alaska. Alaska today is still the sixth largest uh, state as far as production of, of oil and natural gas. We have, uh, the Trans-Alaska Pipeline has almost had 19 billion barrels of oil run through it. And there's hundreds of millions of barrels uh, that can come down. They're saying anywhere between another 10 to 15 billion barrels of oil that's known but not tapped yet uh, up on the North Slope. Some of that is in Anwar, some of that is in the NPRA. And if we have time to talk about the NPRA, I certainly want to mention that because that's on the other side of uh, the North Slope. And that's also an area that the Biden administration has put under attack. 
Energy independence, Jeff, in the end of 2019 is something we hadn't seen in decades. And as quickly as it came, Joe Biden took it away. Yeah, and and, and took it away with bad government policies. Let me get to Kevin. Kevin, in the intro, I stated that the U.S. Department of Interior canceled these leases. Do they have the authority to cancel these leases? Well, not in my view, because the at least in, in Anwar, it was required on the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. It's in the law. Congress wanted these leases, and they're using NEPA as a pretext to just cancel and do something they, nev- they never wanted to do in the first place. And they're doing under, you know, under NEPA, they say, well, the Trump administration didn't do enough analysis. You can basically say there's not enough analysis under this way. That's it's something you can use for anything. It can be used for oil and gas leases. It can be used for clean energy projects. It's a problem with the CHIPS Act. The Biden administration is trying to fund semiconductor fabs across the country, and they're running into these NEPA problems. So this this spans uh, this NEPA spans everything. It's from 1969. It's decades old. It's really never been updated to, to deal with what's happening in our country now. And it's going to slow down projects uh, that are needed in oil and gas, and it's being used by Biden administration to st- shut down this one. And, and even going back to Cook Inlet, Congress and the IRA said you have to do these these uh, lease sales in the Cook Inlet. They did them, and now it's in litigation because of NEPA. But even after that, they could conceivably still cancel this lease based on how, their theory of how uh, their authority under ANWR here. They could cancel the Cook, Cook Inlet leases again, even though they're required. So, so let me get this straight. Uh, we had uh, NEPA, which was a law passed by Congress, signed by the president many, many decades ago. And then uh, the Congress came around just, a, what, a year and a half, two years ago, a couple of years ago, and said, we want these leases. They passed a law. The president of the United States signed that law, uh, signed that bill into law. And somehow they're using a, a previous law that Congress passed to stop this new law that, that, that the current Congress has passed. Uh, am I getting this correct? That's right. In 2017, they required the lease sales in Anwar, which they just canceled under, under NEPA just last month. And then the Cook Inlet ones, they said, we ran out of time. There's no industry interest. We are going to cancel these leases. That wasn't under NEPA. But now Congress required them in the Inflation Reduction Act. And where it stands now is that environmentalists sued after they did those lease sales. So those are not going forward. They're in litigation. But even after that, under their theory of what they're doing in Anwar, they can use NEPA to cancel those Cook Inlet lease sales afterwards if they survive the litigation. It's basically unlimited power to cancel projects that they don't like. So, uh, Kevin, the Department of Interior basically stated here that th- there wasn't proper analysis under NEPA. Can you explain what the what the act is and how the work of the Bureau of Land Management did, didn't meet the standards? Well, originally, this, this was just supposed to be back when they first passed NEPA was just to analyze, to acknowledge that there's environmental impacts to federal projects. It wasn't supposed to be this huge, long ordeal that takes years and years and years to get through. But over time, it morphed from that, and now it takes about five years to get an environmental impact uh, statement done. So five years, and every step, step in, that, in the process, there's procedural rights for other groups to sue on them if they th- think you're not doing it right. So it's morphed into this thing that is out of control and it's stopping projects, as I mentioned before, even transportation projects, oil and gas, wh- anything on federal lands that gets federal support is subject to this law, and we're putting so much resources at the federal level at, at, from corporations that are doing this work and no one's really benefiting from it because as I think what Rick said earlier, and especially in Alaska, there's state laws, there's environmental laws at the federal level that cover these things where there's environmental impacts. 
you don't need to do all this upfront work when we have, you know, state laws and all those things that cover it already. It's, du it's duplicative, it's wasteful, and it's not saving anyone anything. Kevin, uh, during a subcommittee hearing, a Bureau of Land Management uh, representative said it would have taken years for these leases to come online. First, you know, why does it take so long <laughs> to get leases up and running? I'd love to know the answer to that. I think I kind of know the answer, but I'd love for you to explain it. And second, why do some feel like that that's a good reason to go ahead and cancel them? Well, it's not a good reason, but the, the reason is government created. Right. And again, back to NEPA here, you have to do the environmental impact statement. It took the Trump administration two years to do the original one from the 2017 Tax Cuts Act in Anwar. And then when they redid it, well, the Biden administration paused all of them. On his first day in office, he said, I don't believe in the science of these leases. We're pausing all of them. And again, that's the first day. They already knew that they were going to do that. And then they didn't finish this latest one last September, obviously three, three years later. So and each of them are 400 pages and 700 pages of work each. Dozens of agencies, lots of uh, public meetings, public comments. And at the end of the day, you're getting to the, 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 the decision that you want to get to. So uh, there's no real benefit here. And it really sends a message to companies that if you want to do business that requires a federal nexus that's subject to NEPA, you're going to have to endure years and years and years of waiting and have your investment possibly go up in smoke the minute that there's a change in political leadership. So let me ask, Kevin, we are uh, through Americans for Prosperity Foundation. Are we looking into into this, trying to do Freedom of Information Act requests and other other means trying to figure out what's behind this, uh, these lease cancellations? Yes, that's right. We submitted uh, three Freedom of Information Act requests in September to the Department of Interior Office of the Secretary, Fish and Wildlife Service and the Bureau of Land Management. They will be right for litigation later this month, so we'll have more to report later, but I suspect we won't hear back by that point. You never do. And then hopefully we'll start getting some documents in the next couple of months, and then we'll see what we, see what we get. I mean, you mentioned the, the Cook Inlet sale and what we found there, which surprisingly we got records there without a lawsuit, which is, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's probably because I, my theory is that Bohm was upset that those leases got canceled and the reasons that, that they announced were wrong, which is they said there was no industry interest, which was a false on its face. Everyone knew that was a lie. At the time, what happened was then climate advisor in the Biden administration, Gina McCarthy, accidentally emailed a CPS reporter saying that the leases were canceled. And then they had to scramble and, and figure out a way to, to spin that because that was during 2022 and gas prices were through the roof. And so I suspect we're going to find similar stuff to that in, in these productions of the document because we know NEPA is just a pretext here. Secretary Holland has been opposed to annual lease sales since she was in Congress. She introduced bills to make sure it was off limits to roll back that stuff in the Tax Cuts Act. And that's what's happening here. And that's what we're going to get to the bottom of. And I'll, I'll ask this question of both of you or whoever would like to take it. Uh, you know, it seems to me that if Congress passed a law more recently uh, suggesting or saying that these leases should be should be done, why is why is that not litigated and taken to court and just you know, why, why would NEPA even uh, be uh, something that they would rely on when you've got this newer Congress, more recent Congress, taking action, saying it needs to be done? Kevin, you want to take the first shot on this one? Yeah, because what's interesting is that uh, groups in Alaska sued when they paused those lease sales. And a district court judge in Alaska basically said, you know, the Tax Cut Act only required them to hold the leases. 
it allows it allows them to pause it, it allows them to basically jerk you around because all required, and maybe this is a problem with congressional drafting here, but I mean, if you give them an inch, they take a mile, whereas uh, the judges let it happen. I'm not going to do anything that they positively and, and the judge said, and they haven't canceled them. And this was a few months before they did. And so that you get no recourse from the pause, probably won't get any recourse from the cancellation. And so really it, it sends a message to anyone out there. Don't do business uh, when there's a, a federal nexus, when there's NEPA involved, you're going to, you're going to face so much trouble. It's not going to be worth it. Yeah. Right. Well, so let me, uh, just, let me add one thing, if you don't mind sure. briefly, Jeff on this, because when when you cancel the leases, what you do is effectively thwart any type of um, in in social justice pro- programs. Right, homelessness goes up, uh, opioid addiction goes up, domestic violence goes up because people lose hope, and especially in small communities across rural America, that those those cornerstone jobs, those energy jobs, are what give communities the ability to rise up out of um, despair, to rise up and overcome things like, you know, um, poverty, especially as we look at inflation, as we look at, uh, as we look at families who are struggling to make ends meet, those jobs, those six figure jobs that you get from resource development opportunities, those are what are gonna bring America back, um, you know, to prosperity, right? I know that uh, one of the things that we talk about all the time with Power of the Future is communities that, that rely on resource development jobs are, are under attack. It's not just the programs themselves. So when you cancel a lease that Congress has said should happen and you administratively executive branch overstep Congress, uh, you know, I think that anybody, any good court should see it for what it is. It's, uh, it's a delay tactic to appease the environmental left, which helped get uh, Biden uh, elected and he's paying them back. And any judge, including the one up here in the district court that continues to make decision after decision against Alaska's best interest, should be held accountable at some level. You know, they're, they're, they're appointed, so they don't get that. But we can certainly um, ask people to go and make sure that idiots like that don't get uh, appointed by the next president who doesn't have Alaska's and America's best interest at heart. Are, are, are these decisions being appealed? Of course. Yeah. But, but again, part of the delay, uh, sue and settle, you know, sure. um, litigate uh, tactics of the left is to find a, a compassionate judge, to find an activist judge and, uh, and keep things tied up. The longer they can keep things tied up, the better it is for them. But again, the worse it is for America and especially here in Alaska. Right. Well, and this is this gets to uh, you know the administrative state and the problem with the administrative state, uh, you know, overruling basically Congress passes a law and says you know go forth and do this, and then the administrative uh, administrative state tries to figure out a way to subvert the will of the elected representatives uh, of the people. It's really sad, uh, Rick. President Biden's obviously uh, sees that the U.S. needs oil. Right. Because he's gone to other countries to discuss oil production in those other countries. Do other countries produce oil cleaner than the U.S. can produce it? No, unequivocally. No. Right. I mean, again, we you know, we mentioned this earlier from an environmental record. America with NEPA, with uh, the EPA, with watchdogs, you know, with um, all of the environmental uh, requirements, does it better than anywhere else in the, in the world. 
You don't see China caring about this. You don't certainly see Russia caring about what they do to their citizens in the name of, you know, the almighty oil dollar. Certainly Iran, Iraq, the rest of the OPEC nations, Venezuela, none of them are as environmentally um, caring as the U.S. And nowhere else do I think that they do it anywhere in the U.S. And I'm sure I'll have all my other uh, oil producing states go, come on, Rick. But I think Alaska is the tip of the uh, the tip of the spear and the tip of the iceberg when it comes to environmental stewardship and, and responsible development of natural resources. But, but here's the bigger concern, right? Anytime that you have the administrative state and the career bureaucrats with an agenda able to thwart the, 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 the goals and the requirements, not, not suggestions by Congress, but these are required leases. Kevin said it earlier, right? There's supposed to be another Anwar lease by the end of 2025. That's on hold now. They're supposed to be the Cook Inlet lease. That's on hold now because that's what the eco-left wants. They want to get rid of oil and gas. You know, Biden said it during the campaign. We will end fossil fuel production. And he's doing his darndest to make that happen. Yeah. You know, and I want to get this down to the basics, right? Which is how does this really actually affect Americans, right? And, and, uh, I'd love to ask both of you to talk about that. I mean, this is who gets forgotten in all of this. You talked, Rick, about some of the small communities in Alaska and other places that that don't have hope without these high-paying jobs uh, in the energy sector. But what about just the average American who's paying more, unnecessarily paying more for gas in their car, for their groceries, because you got to have uh, fuel to get those groceries yeah. uh, to, to the supermarket? That's the everyday impact on Americans. And I'll start with you, Rick, and then go sure. to Kevin. But, but, but Rick, your thoughts on, on why Americans should be concerned about this? Well, because energy underpins everything in America. You mentioned it, right? Whether it's agriculture and the extra cost to produce food, whether it's the transportation sector and moving goods and services across this country, whether it's by boat, by train, by truck, by air. Everything that relies on energy to get to us is, uh, is better off if we're producing it domestically and refining it domestically and exporting it from America rather than importing it from a country that does not have our best interests at heart. We're seeing this right now in the Middle East, right? We, we, are, we are on the cusp of OPEC activity, not only to limit production, but to start rolling back import opportunities or their export, our import to the U.S. If that happens, because of all the damage that the Biden administration has done to domestic energy production in the last couple of years, how do we respond? Well, um, I saw a Wall Street Journal article here just in the last couple of days talking about the OPEC crisis of 1973 and what it could mean in 2023, 50 years later. I hope it doesn't get to that because America and Americans deserve better. We have domestic energy opportunities. We have them that have been thwarted, that have been rolled back, that have been held up hostage by the eco-left and the Biden administration. Get your foot off the throat of American energy and let us flourish. We are the world's preeminent country when it comes to energy, oil and gas, fossil fuel production. It's reliable, it's low cost. Power of the Future tracks energy costs, Jeff, if we look back at this time in 2020 to current, you know, October of 2023 versus 2020, gas prices are up almost $1.60 a gallon from what they were just three short years ago. 
That's because of the Biden administration, the uh, the radical environmentalists that back him and are now calling in their chits, you know, that quid pro quo for supporting him during the election. Uh, Americans are paying for it in inflation. They're paying for it in energy costs, heating costs, gas costs, food costs, you name it, because again, energy underpins everything in America. And uh, Kevin, I'm going to go to you, but again, I can't help but think as you're talking, uh, uh, Rick, about you know the single mom that mm-hmm. that's just trying to put food on the table, and and it's harder and harder every day because of these decisions, and they're decisions by the government. They're 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 bad decisions, bad policy by the government that are forcing these terrible predicaments for the American people, and uh, and we're just seeing it more and more. And I hope that people understand that, and that they you know they have to make a change. We have to make a change right. at some point so that we do not have. Uh, these bad policies in place anymore. Kevin, your thoughts on why Americans should be concerned about this? Well, I want to talk about just the general response you get to these sort of points is that the left says, well, if you if you give this lease out, it wouldn't affect gas prices. But we've been having these same debates about these same places where we get resources for years. And some places have been decades. I think I remember Anwar back from the, the Bush administration, the second one. So, I mean, if we had, even during the, during the Obama administration, who was vice president? President Biden. And they had the same positions then that they've had now. They dragged along certain pipelines for years and then canceled them. They had certain places they cut off from federal leasing. And at the end of the day, that's where we are now. The things you do in the past affect the price in the future. And if we don't get it right now, we're not going to get it right later. And so I I think we just need to realize that, again, NEPA here, again, we talk about NEPA a lot about oil and gas, but for an all of the above energy strategy that makes us energy independent, we have to reform NEPA for everything, oil and gas, nuclear, uh, you know, solar and wind, all permitting, mineral mining, all the things that we need for our economy in the future are held up by a bad federal policy that can be fixed tomorrow if Congress really wanted to. Let, let me end it with with this question, and I'll ask both of you. Does this present, uh, obviously, we're, we're getting to a crisis situation, I think, with the price of gas, with the economy, inflation. So many other things that are pinching the American people. Uh, you mentioned the, the gas lines of the 1970s. Uh, you know, are we getting to a point where maybe maybe there will be enough groundswell of support for reforming and changing things like NEPA so that we can we can better address America's energy needs? I'll start with you, Kevin, then I'll go to you, Rick. Y- your thoughts on maybe we're at a at, at a at an inflection point here that we could really have a change in policy. Well, there is some grand bargain potential. There are some folks on the left that believe in, the, in all the all the above energy strategy. They're they're at odds with the environmentalist swing at their party, and that's where the issue is. But there's folks there that believe that permitting that we need mineral mining that we need NEPA reform so they can do the things that they like. And on the other hand, we get everything as long as they reform NEPA. Everyone gets what what they want. We get clean energy that they want and solar and wind. We get the oil and gas that powers everything we do every day. So I think there's potential there. And the Biden administration has acknowledged at least some of that. It just hasn't met any of its rhetoric and what it talks about there. And that's the problem, which is that they acknowledge that that NEPA is a problem for all basically all of its priorities, semiconductors, clean energy, mineral mining. And then they don't do anything about it because they can't anger that that wing of their base. But there is some potential there uh, for a grand bargain in the future. I hope that folks in Congress get their heads together and work out some things where we can get some solutions. But I'm not hopeful at the moment. Rick, any thoughts? You know, I think um, 
if we could reform NEPA, if we could reform just permitting in general and start making it easier to get projects uh, from concept through permitting and actually into production, uh, there are mines in Alaska that have been fighting this for 17 years, 15 years, 13 years. Oil and gas projects up here that have been going for almost a decade. That ability for um, the left and for you know, activist organizations to hold up projects like that, that America needs, and if we're not producing it here, we're bringing it in from somewhere else, is ridiculous. So certainly I think people, um, you know, there are practical solutions out there. I think the groundswell of support will be, Jeff, if you continue to see America get pinched, um, and if you do start to see some of the, the, the more radical um, steps like rationing and uh, you know outages, uh, I think that you'll see Americans get more and more upset and start to demand that we reform NEPA, that we, we reform permitting. Again, America doesn't have to be in this situation. Alaska doesn't have to be, Texas doesn't have to be. You know, nobody in rural America has to worry, should have to worry about where their next, you know, gallon of gas has come from. We should be able to do it here in the U.S. Unfortunately, the Biden administration has decided to play um, games with Americans and to appease a radical fringe element of America. And the rest of us here um, that believe in a balanced approach uh, to energy strategy are the ones caught in the crossfire. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's very sad because these are all avoidable situations that we find ourselves in right now. I mean, I, I think of the, both the inflation that we've seen, obviously caused by too much government spending, but certainly the energy sector and where we are right now, uh, particularly with with uh, some of the conflicts going on around the world and you know threats from other countries to shut off energy uh, 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 imports to the United States. You know, these are things that, that are self-inflicted. I mean, a, a change in policy would make things so much better because America is blessed by having abundant energy resources. We just have to have the political will to let our people uh, flourish in those. Thanks so much, Rick. Thanks, Kevin, for joining us today. I appreciate both of you being with us. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right, great. Uh, look, these are these decisions by the Biden administration, by federal courts and others, they have a real world impact on each of us, on each of us uh, in the way, in the amount of money that we have to spend for uh, for for our energy needs and, and for our, in our economy in general. But they have an acute uh, impact on the people of Alaska and Texas and Pennsylvania and many of these uh, energy producing states. Uh, it's so important to stay engaged. Contact your member of Congress. Talk to them about the need to reform NEPA and the need to make sure that we have these oil and gas leases in uh, in Alaska. And thanks to Kevin and Americans for Prosperity Foundation for the great work that they're doing to find out through the Freedom of Information Act why these leases were canceled. Listen, liberty and freedom, they're easily taken for granted. Do not take them for granted. Go out there, defend freedom, defend liberty. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.